Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons Podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another in a series of Ogletree Deacons Leave of Absence and Reasonable Accommodation podcasts. My name is Charles Thompson. I am co-chair of the firm's National Leave of Absence and Reasonable Accommodation Practice Group. I've got with me here two of our practitioners in the area and two of my favorite people in the firm. Uh, first of all, we have Stacy Bunk. Stacy is a shareholder in Kansas City, and she is a former, uh, you were the former managing shareholder of that office too, aren't you, Stacy? I, I am. All right. And as I understand it, uh, your favorite food is French, even though you live in Kansas City, and you have, uh, you're a big football fan, you and your girls. Absolutely. Yes to both of those. Okay. All right. And John, you are now the managing shareholder in our Stamford, not Stanford, Stamford, Connecticut office. And if I recall correctly, you do some, um, a lot of, uh, I don't know, nonprofit or charity work uh, that requires you to exercise some athletic skills. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so uh, for a number of years now, uh, and actually since we got it going here in the state of Connecticut, I've been working with an organization that enables uh, individuals with disabilities to complete, whether it's a road race, like a 5K or a 10K, or even a triathlon. Uh, so we bring the experience uh, and share the experience with them. And it's, uh, it's rewarding for everyone. It's a great organization to work with. That's great. Thanks, John. Um, and I guess I should mention that I am based out in the Golden State, um, meaning California, where we have lots of leaves of absence and lots of leaves of absences, frankly about 17, and um, also deal in the reasonable accommodation area as well. All right, today we are going to talk about three new important Federal Family Medical Leave Act decisions. Uh, Stacy, I'm going to start you out, and I believe you were going to tell us one uh, about a decision that took place in the, in the 11th Circuit. Yes, absolutely. So the 11th Circuit recently heard a decision that started in Florida, and it involved a branded content producer slash writer who notified the company that she needed to leave immediately to care for her father, who had a brain tumor. And the company granted that leave, but none of the parties dispute that the company did not notify her of her FMLA rights or provide any notices as required by the regulations. She then subsequently also said she needed relief from future travel. And again, the company did not provide her any notice of her rights. And um, she subsequently was terminated and filed a claim, which came before the 11th Circuit on whether the employer violated the law by not providing her notice under the FMLA on two occasions. Not everybody who listens to these things, fortunately, are lawyers. 
Um, so when you say the 11th Circuit, what do you mean by that? I mean, it's, it's the federal 11th Circuit. And what is that? Sure. So the 11th Circuit is the Court of Appeals at, at the federal level for the court that encompasses Florida. And so it encompasses several southern states, including Florida. And effectively, the Florida court entered a ruling. It was then appealed. And uh, our appellate system down in the Florida area considered whether this company violated the law by not providing notice on two occasions. Right. And an appellate decision means that a lower court has already reached some type of decision. And one of the parties has decided, you know, I didn't like what the lower court said. I'm going to appeal it to the people above. Absolutely. And that's what happened here. And ultimately, there was a decision by the 11th Circuit. Uh, Again, everyone, including the court, both courts recognized the company did not provide notice as required by the statutory regulations. That said, the company said here the employee did not suffer harm because she was granted the leave that she requested. And ultimately, the the takeaway from the case was mere failure to provide notice is not enough. There has to be a showing of harm, which was absent here because the employee received the requested time off. And ultimately, in this situation, the relief from travel was future relief. And that didn't come into play because her employment was terminated. Got it. Got it. And so what's the takeaway for employers from this decision? Well, I think the takeaway, there's a couple of takeaways. One is remembering the FMLA is a very technical statute. So it's always a good reminder to Go back, take a look at the regulations, familiarize yourself with your obligations as an employer. If you have an employee who has requested FMLA leave, there are very tight deadlines on how quickly you have to provide notice. So that's one takeaway. Take a look at at the regulations. So one of the takeaways is that here, the employee got everything, that the employer provided the employee with everything to which she was entitled, except the notice. And so the employee wasn't harmed. Exactly. Yes. Okay, great. John, I'm going to turn to you. There's, I believe, a decision in the Second Circuit, a FEMLA decision in the Second Circuit that uh, that you wanted to tell us about. Yeah, so we we have a decision out of the Second Circuit where I think there's a pretty good lesson. um, But what it does is focuses on what the definition of serious health condition is. And I know that most employers are very much uh, aware that FMLA leave is available for individuals with a serious health condition. Uh, normally, you send out your, the, the certification paperwork, it's filled out by the healthcare provider. If it comes back with uh, the box check that the person has a serious health condition, a lot of employers uh, don't challenge it. But, but here is a situation where we got into what is the definition of a serious health condition. And it's one of the definitions uh, that applies to serious health condition is continuing treatment by a healthcare uh, provider. And what does that mean? Well, you know, one of the things that it could mean is incapacity plus treatment. Again, what does that mean? Incapacity plus treatment uh, involves a period of incapacity of more than three consecutive full calendar days would follow up treatment. So we're kind of getting into the weeds here. Uh, And the reason why we're getting into the weeds here is we have someone, an employee that was out for three days with flu-like symptoms. The individual returned to work after those three days, and then was immediately terminated for excessive absenteeism. 
Now, what the decision maker was unaware of and didn't know is that she had just applied for FMLA leave. So what the defense was here is that, that she did not have a serious health condition because she was out for three days with flu-like symptoms, which doesn't meet uh, the definition of what incapacity plus treatment requires. Because remember, that is more than three uh, consecutive full calendar days with follow-up treatment. So the, the summary judgment was granted uh, in favor of the employer. It was appealed up to the Second Circuit, and the Second Circuit, which is you know, the appellate court, uh, affirmed the judgment. Now, what the lesson here is, is that when they learned that, that this employee had applied for FMLA leave, they, they brought the employee back. In other words, they rescinded the termination upon you know, waiting or contingent on what the determination would be on the FMLA application. So they, they put this in a no harm, no foul situation. It, it was, yes, we know you were terminated for excessive absenteeism, uh, but let's, let's look into the FMLA. And if you're eligible, obviously the, the termination will be rescinded. If you're not eligible, then the termination will stand. So what they really did is great approach here that protected them in the event they had made a bad decision. And the, and the other benefit of it is that by rescinding the termination, you know, then there's no longer this adverse employment action that the, the employee could sue on. So, so I think the real lesson is here is, you know, practically speaking, you know, even if you think you did the right thing, bringing the employee back after a termination just to make sure they got it right was the right move and the way to limit exposure to liability. Right. So they brought the person back and conducted the investigation to sort of figure out what had actually happened, right? Right, right. They wanted to make sure. So let's if we, now we know you apply for FMLA leave. And if you're eligible, we, we need to figure that out. Then, then we'll rescind the termination for excessive absenteeism because then it would be covered by the FMLA. And that's protected leave, as, as we all know. So they took the time to look into it as opposed to just letting the termination stand, which, you know, it was a very good move on their part. So, and it wasn't a serious health condition because the flu did not last more than three days? Yes, and there, and there wasn't follow-up treatment. Yes, exactly. So incapacity plus treatment means a period of incapacity of more than three right. days with follow-up treatment. So, you know, like I said, we don't normally get into the weeds and some people would say uh, they won on a technicality here. Well, they didn't. They, they won because they didn't meet the definition of what a serious health condition is. But, you know, what, what was even more important is that they took their time to make sure they got it right. Yeah, they played it smart just in case. I mean, I guess what had probably happened is that somebody probably in human resources, but we don't know. I don't know for sure, said, wait, what did we just do? We fired a person the day the person came back from family medical leave um, and decided, why don't we see, why don't we really see what's going on here? I assume that that's probably what happened. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think that something right along those lines is what happened. And, uh, you know, the, the, the lesson is, is that there's no harm in making sure, pressing pause and making sure that you have it right. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, you know, we'll, we'll see a matter where, the decision was made, so the decision's the decision, and you know we're just moving forward with it. That's not always the right call here because the FMLA had been applied for. Let's press place, press pause, and make sure we've got this right. Yeah, it doesn't hurt an employer to think through the decision 
even after it's been made to make sure it was the right one. All right, Stacy, I'm going to turn back to you for our third and last case. And I think it's from the Third Circuit, and you can tell us where the Third Circuit is. And that's actually a pretty interesting case, I think, involving somebody who returned to work and then complained, hey, you gave me too much work when I came back. Yep, yep. So the case uh, is, uh, as you noted in the Third Circuit, it arose from a Pennsylvania decision. So we know that is um, in the central Northeast. And this case was an interesting case involving a financial advisor who had been on continuous FMLA leave due to alcoholism. And that financial advisor had relied on others to maintain his accounts while he was on leave. And during that leave, six, 70 rather of his accounts grew delinquent. And when he returned, he was required to make them non-delinquent in addition to his regular duties as a financial advisor. Now, notably, he was never disciplined about the delinquent accounts because, of course, that didn't happen on his watch. And he was given several extensions of time to complete the delinquency. And he was in the same job making the same pay. He also never asked for any help to bring the accounts up to speed, which was dispositive to both the trial court and the appellate court. Uh, so at the district court level, summary judgment was granted with respect to this case, and it was ultimately affirmed by the Third Circuit. And ultimately, what came before the court was... Did the company interfere with his FMLA rights by letting his work stack up and therefore not returning him to an equivalent position, which under the FMLA, there's an obligation when you return someone to work after FMLA leave to return them to an equivalent position. And here the company pointed out, well, wait a second, your pay, your benefits and your position are the same. That's an equivalent position. He said, no, it's not because I have to work on these 70 delinquent accounts. And ultimately, the courts found that there was no interference claim um, because he was doing the same work as before. He was granted extensions and he was receiving the same pay and no discipline. And the, the court even noted that if they had transferred his accounts to keep them from becoming delinquent, that would have impacted his pay. So at the end of the day, the finding which was affirmed by the appellate court was this behavior of allowing accounts to become delinquent and then holding him responsible for bringing those accounts back from delinquency was not unlawful. Interesting. Yeah, so he claimed, it was, hey, it's, it's, it's not my fault you let my cases, my accounts get delinquent. And, uh, huh. Okay. So I have a question. The delinquency took place while he was on leave. Let's assume though, and I, all three of us get this question a lot. Let's assume that while he was on leave, the company, you know, was actually was looking at the accounts, trying to decide, and, and they discovered, hey, these accounts are delinquent and they were delinquent before he left. What do you guys think? What can the employer do when it discovers someone on leave has not been doing their job? What do you think? 
So Charles, I actually tried successfully tried a case on this exact same scenario uh, a number of years ago, where we had someone, a client, had someone out on FMLA. While out on FMLA, some of their behaviors that they were doing that were against company policy came to light, and the company realized that the person was not following company policy. The person came back from leave and asked for intermittent leave going forward, uh, and the company ultimately spoke with the individual. She confirmed the policy violations and they terminated her employment. Not surprisingly, she filed suit and said, well, you fired me because I took FMLA leave and you interfered with my future FMLA leave by firing me. And we won that case. And I think really what was pivotal on that case was our client took the time to did not interfere with her FMLA leave while she was on leave when they discovered the delinquency with respect to the policy, but instead waited until she came back, did a thorough investigation, asked her about it, and then held her to the same standard it would hold any other employee who had engaged in the same policy violation. So I think that case is if you learn of something where it's a policy violation while someone's out on leave, that does not give that person a free pass. Um, you also, though, as a company, need to be careful how you navigate next steps, uh, considering doing a thorough investigation once a person's returned from leave, and then just consider, again, how have we treated other people in the same scenario? And are we treating this person consistently with our policies and consistent with how we've treated other people? So that that's my two cents. Curious what you or John have to say. Yeah, I mean, to, to your point, Stacey, and I think the key to what you just said is that you held the, the employee that was out on protected leave to the same standard that you would hold any other employee. And that, that's the important point. I think that's the takeaway from what you said, because just because you're out on protected leave does not, as, as, as you also pointed out, give you a free pass uh, to misbehave or to violate company policies. So the key will be to demonstrate that any discipline, including termination, was the result of discipline or termination that any, any employee, irrespective of leave, would have received in that situation. Now, the case that you just told us about I think the key there, and, I, and I'd like to point out for everybody, is that this individual returned to the same job that he had prior to leave. It was the exact same job, his same accounts. If the uh, company, however, had altered the job and added you know, different lines of responsibility and made it a much more difficult and different job than any other similarly situated employee, then there may have been a, a retaliation claim. Uh, so, like, you know, so, so I want to make sure that the lesson for this is that the employee, yes, came back to a big workload, but it was the same workload for the same job uh, that, that exists. But if the job had been changed or altered negatively to essentially punish the person for going on leave, we, we may very well have had a very different case. Yeah. And I think that, Stacy, the case you were telling about, telling us about that you tried, thank you for saying that it was successful. One of the keys was, You've got to let the employee tell the employee side of the story. They waited to fire the person until they got that per, that employee's story. All right. Anything, uh, any of you all, either of you all want to add about any of the cases you covered? I think we got them covered, Charles. What do you think? Uh, yeah. Stacy. anything from your side? 
You know, I think we've covered a couple really technical issues with these cases. And I think just a reminder, take a look at the FMLA, take a look at your policies, look at your training and just uh, just take a fresh look at it. Thanks, Stacey. Thanks, John. Uh, appreciate the help from both of you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast. We'll be posting another one about leaves of absence and or reasonable accommodation uh, soon. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.